Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 29 to 37 might have a different version from you, I'm not sure. A lawyer had stood up to test Jesus. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when, we, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Myrna was at the very beginning of an argument with her husband, Mac. That moment when there is silence, but the tension builds like a tangible change in air pressure before a storm. It was hard not to hear the dialogue that followed. He went to the post office to send an urgent check. She asked if he insured it. He said no. Why didn't he insure such a large check? Something could happen to it in the mail. He didn't know he should do that. He was so focused on getting it sent off that day. At the next table over, Sadie and her family sat smiling. They were celebrating her daughter's birthday by taking her out to breakfast at a small artisan waffle bistro. She caught the vibe and a few words from the table next to her an older but not yet elderly couple disagreeing about something in hushed voices. "Uh Uh-oh, she worried, and she smiled at her daughter. I hope this fizzles out so we can just move on and have a nice meal together. She looked around the room at the trendy, intimate space. An argument in this place means it gets shared with everyone. Silence returned to the table. Why didn't you think it through, Myrna blurted. 
What if something happens to that check on top of everything else? I know I don't usually write the checks, Mac answered calmly, his voice plaintive, but it had to be done today, and you weren't available, so I got it done. Sadie began to squirm in her seat. She's not going to let this go, is she? She thought to herself. It was a familiar feeling when anger takes hold and it won't be denied until the storm has blown itself out. She looked at her husband, who appeared to be unfazed by the bickering just a few feet away. He has to be able to hear that, she mused. How does he act so casual, like nothing's happening? Why am I so bad at that? Acting casual, pretending nothing's wrong. A third silence fell on the couple's table, but the tension remained. Wheels were turning, thoughts forming, rancor gathering. Myrna felt like no one listened to her. The doctors kept saying, take another test, but didn't have time to listen to her. As her anger and frustration built, she banged her fist on the table to emphasize a word. The first curse word left her lips and the rant continued. Meanwhile, Sadie jumped in her seat at the table pounding. What in the world, she wondered in disbelief. This is a public place and a tiny one at that. She glanced protectively at her daughter when she caught the swearing. Her daughter almost also seemed not to hear. Sadie could feel the anger and irritation rising deep within her. She wanted her daughter's birthday breakfast to be super nice, and it was being ruined by that couple arguing. How could they be so inconsiderate? Didn't they know that everyone could hear them? Should I say something? She asked herself. How do I let them know without making the whole thing worse? Sadie scanned Myrna and Mac, who were completely intent on only each other and the dispute. Mac, in an apologetic tone, explained that he was doing his best and he was going to make mistakes. Myrna's voice changed to a kind of discouraged whine. I know, she returned. This is hard for both of us. Then her anger gathered purchase once again. I'm just so sick of it. The doctors examine and give me medication, but they don't listen. They don't understand the constant pain and the burden of having a terminal illness. Now, out of its box, profanity peppered her language further as she vented at her husband between visits from the waitstaff, like waves crashing against the shoreline. An entirely different wave came over Sadie the wave of realization. That couple was dealing with something terrible and scary. Did they have family? Any kind of support community? Sadie didn't know, but as she considered, her mind drifted from her own outrage to Sadie and Mac's point of view. After Sadie and her family finished eating, paid and rose from the table, she sidled over to Myrna and Mac. She thought about giving advice, but a voice in her head said, no, that's not what they need right now. So silently, she reached over and took Myrna's hand, 
looked in her eyes with the most empathetic gaze she could muster, and left. When Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, it strikes me that he doesn't mention the robbers after the attack. They assaulted a man, they took off his clothes, and they battered him. Jesus doesn't talk about the Samaritan finding them and exacting revenge, or even justice. The story is about the victim and the Samaritan who offered him mercy. Friends, another terrible tragedy happened this week in Las Vegas. We feel multiple things in its wake, shock, sadness, anger, outrage. Sometimes it feels too big to wrap my head around. I'm reminded of Mike's message a little while back of our society's tendency to go for blame and punishment. In the absence of the shooter himself in Las Vegas, blame goes to our government, the NRA, hotel security, and whomever else. It's easy to go to a first impulse and act on it. Sometimes we take that first impulse and carry it around with us. When a great human injustice happens, we should feel something. That is part of what makes us human. Taking that anger, for example, and passing it on to others around us, though, is dangerous and unhealthy. Brene Brown, in last week's Kindling Conversation, spoke of turning anger into something else, something constructive. And that rings true for me. I do not have answers, but I know that I can start small, really small, and that I can recognize a tragedy and also try to give love and mercy to you, to my family, to that person in the grocery store. We can use love and mercy to unify because that's what we need right now. How do you deal with your initial feelings in the face of a tragedy? How do you turn them into something constructive? Where might you practice mercy in your everyday life?